Welcome to Parent to Parent, real-life tips to raise resilient kids. A podcast from Communities That Care of Greater Downingtown. This is Chrissy Jambowski, and I have two young kids. And I'm Beth Ann Sinelli, and I have two adult kids. Together, we'll meet with experts and fellow parents to share personal stories and provide support and actionable steps to strengthen your family and raise healthy kids. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to Parent to Parent. This is Beth Ann. And this is Chrissy, and today we are here with Corporal Brian Gathercole from the Upper Euclid Police Department, and he is here with us today to talk about what he is seeing in the community among our youth as far as drug and alcohol use trends, what is he seeing out in the field as part of his job, um, and also what are the consequences for these behaviors that maybe parents are engaging in, kids are engaging in, and kind of our opportunity to have a Q&A with one of Downingtown's finest, um, or Upper Euclid, part of the Downingtown community. Um, so Brian, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk with us today and being here. No problem, thank you for inviting me. We appreciate it, and the Upper Euclid Township Police Department looks uh, forward to working with everybody in regards to this matter. Yeah. Great, hey, thanks Brian. So I think to, to kind of just start this off, um, Communities That Care Greater Downingtown, we work with a number of prevention partners and a number of us partnered together around mental health and substance use. And so what I'd like to um, start off with for our listeners today is if you could tell us a little bit about your role specifically um, in Upper Euclid, the township, but also as far as your work with the school district and the community and perhaps some of the projects and activities that you've been doing uh, working with the Downingtown youth and families in school. No problem. So. Uh... A little bit about my background. I got 21 years of service. Obviously, I worked in uh, South Coatesville and Western Chester County for five years. I've currently been with Upper Euclid Township Police Department for 16 years. Um, I'm a patrol supervisor. I still work the street. I work 12-hour shifts, either 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So regardless of what the hours are, we're out there all hours of the day and night, and we've come into contact with multiple uh people within the community um many about eight to ten years ago i came up with the idea of creating a junior police academy for upper Euclid township police department they let me put the entire program together from scratch and uh it's this year i think we're going to be rolling out for our eighth year of the actual academy itself even with the pandemic that uh, happened last year we had to downplay it a little bit but we do a one week of um, activities with the ages 12 through 15 the kids in middle school and the beginning of high school. Mm -hmm. And we do a full-fledged week with them of uh, activities as law enforcement, fire, police, and EMS. And we have a lot of guest speakers that come in. From having the guest speakers come in, I've taken on an interest, obviously, in different um, associations associated with the Downingtown Area School District and uh, different programs within the community. We started out with our HOAs, our Homeowners Associations. Mm. We got... uh, talking to the kids at the pools and without within the community and some of the kids helped us take the different programs and uh, expand upon it. Some of them is making connections with the downtown area school district. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're involved with making connections, which uh, is through the school district where we got to meet with the, a group of individuals from uh, different uh, cultures and different races within the school district. We started talking to them about different crimes what police officers are looking for and what the teenagers see as in us as police officers. Mm. So uh, it starts with honesty. They tell us how they feel about us 
And we obviously tell them we're here for the community and how we can make it better. Um, from there, uh, we got connected with the Downingtown Area School District itself, and they let us present on internet safety, cyberbullying. Detective Jones, who's now Lieutenant Jones, obviously helped me with that program, and we delivered it to the 7th and 8th graders at Downingtown Middle School. From there, we also have been training our younger officers or newer officers instead of being younger officers, but our newer officers to get involved with these organizations. And uh, we've been attending activities with the STEM Academy and also the CCIU in regards to getting the word out on um, alcohol and drug use and then internet safety, cyberbullying, and anything that we can do to help prevent safety for the young teenagers of our community. Nice. That's a lot. That's a long list. That's a lot it of is. stuff. It is. And you know what's really interesting, Brian, I just uh, to kind of like pick up on some of this that you were, that you were saying, um, because some of the, the issues that you're addressing are the issues that Communities That Care Great or Downingtown is focused on, mental health, substance use, healthy choices, and of course all the safety issues around bullying, internet. Um, but what I also just, in the very beginning, you were talking about the number of years of service that you have to the community. And I'm sure that you can speak to just the change in Upper Euclid and growth, you know, size. I mean, I was, um, you know, in this community for almost 30 years. So when you kind of look back on that and you mentioned that, you know, you're also dealing with issues around ethnicity, around culture, around race, and the influence that that has on not just crime and safety, but also on some of these issues that we're talking about. So I think it's really interesting um, to hear you bring that up as like part of your conversation now and how building relationships that you do through, you know, if, if you're in the neighborhood, an HOA, at the pool, you know, wherever you might be, how important those relationships are with different groups Absolutely. in the upper, yeah. So just if you just like talk a little bit, just like some of the shifts that you've seen, because I think that's pretty significant. Um, um, for, for instance, so Upper Euclid is, uh, we're very diverse. So our police department, we go from covering Downingtown area to Glenmore area to Chester Springs area. So we have um, several different schools within our jurisdiction, including the St. Elizabeth Catholic School, um, Bishop Shanahan students, Downingtown East and West students. Mm -hmm. So we get to see all different sides of every portion of the school district. And we have interactions with students on each side of the township who go to different school districts. But our, the big thing in our township is the focus is Marsh Creek State Park. Everybody accumulates to the park, beautiful weather, mm -hmm. and you just meet people from all over. So Downing, the Downingtown area coming to the Marsh Creek State Park is what gets us out there interacting with the young uh, individuals of the community. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. A little bit about me as a patrolman. I, there, there's no... Uh, hidden secret that they know the gossip of what's going on within the community. So <laughs> stopping and talking to these young individuals, they're the ones that lead us to where we need to be in regards to drugs or alcohol activity. Mm -hmm. And today's world of uh, social media and networking. And right. once the networking starts, that's, it doesn't stop. It leads us to a good uh, place in our positions yeah. as law enforcement. Yeah. Um, and then you said it, the, mental health and the stuff like that that's taking place is the, mm -hmm. the change is uh, technology. Mm -hmm. And not only as the population grows, our technology is changing and now we're being videoed and we're videoing others. So I think mm -hmm. the students yeah. see that when they see us walk up and we have a little dot that's blinking on us right. and sure. they know that we're videoing. So they start videoing and the next thing you know, it's all over social media. Yeah. 
the trying to get the word out about how social media, the do's and don'ts is a big thing. That is huge, right? Because um, and I think, you know, like you said, that it's sort of this double-edged situation, right? Like social media is really great because it helps you get your messaging out. It helps you find out what's going on. It's a way to, like that we didn't have in the past, right? But Absolutely. then you flip it and then it's also the source of the problems at the exact same time. So you kind of have this like love-hate relationship with how social media can help you do your job and respond quicker and to really like have your pulse on, you know, like on what's going on here. But on the other hand, it also triggers a lot of the others negative stuff and creates the challenges for your work too. So, I mean, it's like we deal with it and we always talk about the love hate relationship of social media and uh, technology. Every episode, it comes up. Every episode, every Every episode. Single episode. (laughs) So I guess our first question and kind of place to start would be, you know, Brian, what are you seeing as far as kids? And I guess I would assume probably middle school and high schooler kids, and maybe you can talk more about that. But what are the trends that you're seeing as far as what substances students are using? And then I also actually made a note to talk about how students are using these substances. So can you give us kind of the insider of what, what it is you're seeing in the community with youth and drug and alcohol use to start? Yeah, no problem. So, uh, Downingtown Area School District and um, Upper Euclid Township itself, when uh, we used to be out, well, we're always out there being proactive with patrolling and being engaged in the community. We used to see a lot of underage drinking. Underage drinking is something that uh, it still occurs, don't get me wrong, but it's it's hit, It's more hidden now mm. because of the consequences. The subjects could be caught with a container or uh, underage drinking parties. Don't get me wrong, that stuff still takes place, but it's not as prevalent as it used to be. Is it that uh, it's today, not, is it, sorry, is it that it's not happening or that it's, it's happening, it's but it's sneakier? Happening more, like, it's a little bit more sneakier now. It's in uh, hidden environments or um, everybody doesn't want to know that they're doing it or they disguise how they're doing it. Okay. So, can you give the me examples? More, the more common trend today is, believe it or not, is uh, the vaping and uh, utilizing, uh, we call it Act 64, which is any type of drug, but drug use through vaping. So marijuana use, um, sampling drugs that nobody's familiar with, ordering stuff online with the THC in it. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a lot of in the young individuals obviously using the vapes because they know law enforcement can't detect what's in the vape without going through an intensive search or seizure. So they do it. And then um, next thing you know, everybody's vaping. Mm-hmm. Um, vaping is a big thing now, obviously, with all the different drugs that are out on the market. Marijuana use is uh, is common, believe it or not. Every, it seems like a lot more people are doing it. Yeah. The younger kids get uh, hooked on it because a friend's doing it and so-and-so's doing it. And when it comes into the younger um, generation, they have us beat in regards to technology because they do all their text messaging through Snapchat, um, TikTok, mm-hmm. and apps. So that's where a lot of the drug transactions are taking place on uh, applications on an iPhone or a Android phone. And Brian, can I ask you, so is it because if kids are able to access and purchase basically substances, and that also could be alcohol if you're getting an of age person to buy for you, right? Yep, so yep. if is all of this also happening, I feel like I read an article about this or it came up in one of our other parent events, that it's happening in code. So there's code words for things. So even if, so if you're a parent that's maybe looking through your kid's texts as part of your, you know, tech agreement or whatever, or looking at their... Um, 
you know, comments or things on their social media accounts, you might be seeing things that you don't know what those emojis stand for or what the language stands for. Is that is that right? You're, you're spot on. So no, emoji, I don't want to be right about this. <laughs> the, the emojis and then uh, the abbreviations that the kids use, I say kids, but any young adult is using is uh, obviously with how they translate in regards to uh, for code names for meeting up or purchasing. So they use all different stuff depending on uh, who their buyer is and obviously who the sellers are, how they communicate. They just use a lot of different slang this day and age, a lot of abbreviations. Okay. So there's like a whole secret society possibly happening. You're, you're spot on. We could, the, the social networking society is very uh, well advanced for us. As parents, um, it's tough to obviously capture a lot of that stuff. So mm -hmm. that's why we say you got to watch all those apps because Snapchat, would it erase and it actually doesn't erase in reality. It erases the, the current treads and the, the trends that they're on, but the stuff's still saved in within the telephone. Mm. So in our line of work, you see a lot more seizures of phones for search warrants because we can uh, pretty much access Facebook, Snapchat, all that through search warrant. Mm -hmm. so, oh, okay. So are you seeing kids then mm -hmm. out in the community though? Like is like you're most like what, on a typical weekend maybe is it are you making what's what's that look like for you if you're going to encounter youth and you're kind of like hmm, wonder what's going on here what does that look like can you just walk us through what that a potential example of what that might be like yeah so like our interactions within the young individuals now when we're out and about um it could be a casual conversation but at the same time their thumbs are moving and they're texting their other friends that the police are present or the police are on the street or the police are coming up the hill, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, just for an example, like when they're in certain areas or there's certain houses hanging out, everybody gets nervous. Like we do as adults when there's a police car behind you, you get nervous. <laughs> everybody gets that quick moment of uh, pausing that there's a police officer behind us. When you're talking to the kids, you can kind of get a feel if they're uh, being honest or if they're basically giving you a runaround and they're texting everybody, hey, the cops are coming your way mm -hmm. or uh, – hey, something's going on up here because the police are, are luring around type of deal. So, Brian, one of the things, and I should know some of these things, you know, as a professional, as a parent, but I'm always curious about consequences. And I'm not really sure that kids and parents necessarily know short-term, but even long-term consequences of, of use of, you know, illegal, you know, whatever's happening with drug and alcohol. So maybe you could start us out by just kind of going over so that people know what those consequences yeah. are. Absolutely. So, so Pennsylvania, we're obviously our court systems, the way it works under 18 is a juvenile offense. So young adults kind of know this. So they challenge it. They're on the fence because they're soon to be adults and they know when they're 18, obviously the consequences are a little bit more severe. So when we have groups of individuals, the person who's the oldest obviously would get a different penalty than those who are underage. Mm. So if a couple 17 year olds and a couple 18 year olds are hanging out, the 18 year olds get treated a little differently. Mm -hmm. The juveniles get to go home and the adults get to go to the police station. So to make everything fair, we usually bring everybody to the police station and it's an experience for everyone. Mm. Um, juveniles, obviously there's different laws and, uh, procedures in each department as well as the state law on how we uh, interact with juveniles when they're in custody. But the consequences um, for any of the types of stuff when it comes to drugs and alcohols are pretty much similar. 
Um, Pennsylvania really targets the motor vehicle license. So every young individual works hard to get their driver's license. You start to get infractions in with alcohol and drugs, and it can affect your driver's license, which is one of the most important documents from the age 16 and the rest of your entire life. Mm -hmm. So your driver's license is important. That's kind of leverage sometimes when we're dealing with juveniles because if they want to keep their driver's license and that little bit of freedom, if they lose that, they pretty much lose a lot of stuff going on in their actual active life. Um, driver's license, like I said, they'll, they'll target that. But the, the consequences for juveniles is, um, I always say we were all young once, but um, we try to work with them. It's not that we want to introduce them to the, the law aspect, the criminal law aspect. We want them to rehabilitate and get through the situation. So when it comes to drugs and alcohol, we try to work with them right out from the beginning of the procedure to obviously not let them go down the road that could cause them consequences. Mm -hmm. um, college mm -hmm. is another one because any infraction, obviously colleges look at that stuff and they don't know this at a young age that the colleges call the local police departments and ask them if there's been any contact. Um, same way with we, when I did the presentation in the school, the kids did not, cannot believe that there is probably one or two pictures on their phone and is considered child pornography under the age of 18. Um, they, they carry pictures that are uh, pornography and they would get you arrested as a juvenile or an adult for child pornography that are on every single telephone under in their pictures. Mm. Um, that's the one that always shocks the kids. And I'm like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And we're all, there's so much information hidden on a telephone that it, it's amazing what we can get out of a telephone, but the consequences are, um, are devastating in regards to their future, either through college, jobs, or whatever they have, uh, whatever they're seeking to do in life. So they have to realize that the consequences don't only affect them, they could affect their families and their parents. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about the underage drinking thing, and it's happened to us several times where parents knew that it was going on and the parents got arrested for hosting the parties. So let's say you have 30 or 40 kids show up, and they're involved in acts that they shouldn't be involved in. That's thirty or forty counts for the adults. And how much? What's charge. and what's? Yeah, what's the charge yeah. for that? Because it's per person, right? It's per person. Yeah. So basically, mm -hmm. holding the event, and at the same time, each person that's got, being caught for actual attending the event and mm -hmm. having alcohol or drugs in their system. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, it could be distributing alcohol, distributing uh, drugs, and the problem is parents don't want to be tied up in the the liability. The liability, more than anything, mm -hmm. yeah. um, is what is a, is a major concern in this day and age. So once we get the word out, sometimes it usually helps us with the parents. So we kind of do a parent program as well. What is the consequence though if someone were to say host their kids, you know? and take their keys and allow them to have alcohol in the home and they're under 21. What is it? Do you know what the fine is just off? Like it's, isn't it? It's a couple thousand dollars, isn't it? Yeah, it, it starts off at a high amount. So they'll do anywhere from like a thousand to 2000 per individual. So we've wow. seen it where some house parties have huh. turned pretty bad. Um, but the only way that they, it's worse today because of social media. So a kid will snap where they're partying at and have alcohol in their picture. They don't realize that their picture that they just posted has them partying somewhere and it's somebody's house. So investigations sometimes lead back to different residences and different activities that are taking place. So they don't realize that a single picture can affect their family as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and what happens if the, um, 
parents are not home. So say the parents went away for the weekend and they left their 17 or 18 year olds home or even 19 or even 20 if they're under 21, right? And right. the parents aren't home. What What is that? I mean, I know a lot of these things are based on multiple variables and it's a case by case situation, but what would be the, a, a lot what, of how would that play out? A lot of times is it's like anything else. Whatever happens within the confines of your home is your privacy. The problem is when it gets out, it's not private no more. Mm -hmm. So obviously if somebody calls 911 for a concerned well-being or a concerned situation, they can't find their kid because we have this a lot where parents can't find their children and they end up being at somebody's house they shouldn't be at. Um, basically, we have to become the guardians of each of those teenagers until a guardian shows up to uh, relieve us of those duties. Okay. So that's where, that's where it becomes more consequential because we're the guardians of those individuals until somebody shows up, mm -hmm. whether it be the mom or dad, if they are local, but if they are away on a trip, it'll be grandma or grandpa and or uncle or any guardian that's going to come. And I mean, there's times where we're stuck with mm -hmm. individuals and you're like, and nobody wants to, you know, it's a shame, but some people don't want to own up to it and say, oh, that's my kid who's caught up in that. And we have to, we're stuck for a long amount of time trying to find somebody to come get them. Hmm. And my one question before we go to break real quick. So are you finding again with that social media thing? Is it really, is that the case where, you know, you'll see headlines where it's like someone posted an invitation and hundreds of kids showed up because they heard about it and it spread like wildfire through TikTok or Snapchat or online or text chains and things like that. Is that happening in our community where it's like even the hosting kids or family or whoever it is, it gets out of hand because they don't intend for this to happen, but it just does because of the power of social media. I, I would say the intensity intensity of the parties has grown due to social media. So okay. it could start off with five or 10 kids who have a well thought out plan of having a good time, hanging out, being friends and social gathering. And then one or two messages sent to the wrong people. It's a form of cyber bullying. It gets sent out to 50 to a hundred. And the next thing you know, there's, it's a, massive party that's occurring mm. and nobody can control it, including the parents. So we, there's parties where parents will have to call on themselves because <laughs> it, they need it, help. So yeah, they need help. Social media has, uh, has beaten it or it causes disturbances where people who are not wanted show up and they cause criminal mischief to the property threats with weapons and, and it escalates from there. Oh yeah. So a simple party sometimes gets out of hand. It also is preventable. Sometimes we get a little bit of information ahead of time and we can prevent it by telling the parents, Hey, this is getting ready to go down at your house tonight. You should address this before it does go down because obviously we're going to have police presence, stuff like that. Hey Brian, I want to follow up on one thing that you just said before we take this break. Um, when you're in the schools doing, sharing these programs, what is the, what reaction do you get from the kids? Like, are they, cause you know, I mean, there's always going to be the kids that no matter what you say are, are really frightened. Like they are scared and they're going to do the right thing regardless, you know? And then you always have the kids that are like sort of on the fence, but then you have the ones that are just like, you know, they're the risk takers. They're yeah. not averse. So I'm curious about like what reactions you get and what do the kids ask you about the most, which always leads me to think this is what they're really worried about because either they're doing it or their friends are doing this. So just 
maybe share with us a little bit of what if they we're said. Talking, if we're talking about technology, it was interesting. When we did the middle school and the, the freshman year of high school, when we asked those students when we were doing a presentation about uh, social media, like you said, the risk takers and the kids who are challenging, I call them intelligent because they're the ones that ask the question because they want to know the answer to how to either circumvent the situation mm-hmm. or to see what they can get away with. And the big one's going to be video games. Like every mom and dad or aunt, uncle, grandma, we let our kids play video games. And there's a whole different side to video games. There's a backlog to the system where they can communicate either through earpiece, through the controllers, or through the actual television itself. And um, some kids do the swatting incidents and turn it into where police officers are being killed. Like the smallest incidents turn it into a large incident all through a video game. So Fortnite and um, some of those other games that our kids play have a uh, backside to them. And if the kids catch on to that stuff, they don't think we know about it. So Mm -hmm. we present to them that the easiest video game has a uh, communications port or communications taking place. They don't believe that the stuff that they're saying would ever catch up to them. And it does. So we have kids in California communicating with kids here in Downingtown who are playing video games because you can play all across the country. Uh And the next thing you know, they're causing a police related incident in Downingtown or here, right at, you know, wherever that we're logged on at and they don't realize that they're interacting with the police or it's somebody online that shouldn't be online. Well, wait, what kind of incident? I'm confused. What kind of incident? I don't understand. Like what kind of incident comes out of it? Like what happens? They call the police and let them know that there's um, a robbery or a homicide taking place or somebody's in their house that shouldn't be in their house. And they utilize their IP address or wherever they're playing the game at. So you'll be in your bedroom not knowing. And the police are responding to your house. And they're telling us that there's an active shooter and everything like that. And then you look out the window and there's a SWAT team and 50 police cars surrounding your house because kids are online and they wanted to play a prank on their friends. So they're like crank calling, prank calling. Yeah. 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 But, through, but via a video game. Yeah, we call it swatting. If you Google swatting, it's uh, wow. pretty intense. Content of the game, yeah. but they don't know the hidden nuances uh-huh. of these games and uh-huh. these capab- you know, it's capable of. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. So we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will continue to talk to Brian and he's going to tell us what us as parents, how we can talk about these things with our kids and what we should make sure to cover. So we'll be right back. Hey, Karen. Oh my gosh. I had so much fun at our snowball shuffle run walk. Chrissy, it was a blast. Did you know we had over 200 people attend and we raised over $25,000? That's amazing. This success wouldn't have been possible without our sponsors and the support from our community. Yep, a big shout out to Henkin Group for hosting us at Eagle View. We are also thankful for the generosity of our Nor'easter sponsor, Citadel, and our Blizzard sponsor, Brumbaugh Wealth Management. Karen, can you tell me the other sponsors again? There are so many. AGC, Sonara Today, the UPS Store, Bentley, Embark, Craft School Bus, Miller's Insurance Agency, WBYA, Ethos, First Resource Bank, Lionville Natural Pharmacy, Morocco Run Club, State Farm Ed Hart, United Tire, The Wright Agency, Wegmans, and United Way of Chester County for donating event bags. Wow, that's a lot of sponsors. We also have to give a big thank you to the local businesses that donated items for our raffle and team prizes. 
Yes, all of the money raised will help us continue to fulfill CTC's mission and support all our programs for youth and parents. We also have to thank our team captains, donors, volunteers, and everyone who participated. You could really feel the positive energy and sense of community that day. We hope to see everyone next year at our second Snowball Shuffle. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. Okay, we're back. So Brian, what would you say are the top things that parents should be doing or talking to their kids about so that their kids know what the consequences are, even though we know kids make mistakes, right? But just so they're aware of, of you know, what the outcomes can be with different decisions that they're making when they are out with their friends, out in the community doing things. Absolutely. So um, I'm a parent myself, so it's tough. And doing this as a professional, obviously, sometimes I'm easier to engage with others than I am my own children. But obviously, um, and I'll admit that, but uh, what happens is we have to stay on top of what's taking place on their phones. Just like us as adults, our phones are a special place. They have every bit of information about you. They carry all your account information. For a young individual, they're they're 10 times more advanced than us, and they're involved in a little bit of everything. So we might be involved with one or two apps. They're dealing with three or four apps or five or six at one time. They're good at multitasking. So we have to see what's actually running in the background of the cell phone and see what's running in the back of their mind at the same time. You got to communicate with your kids, ask them what's going on, where the parties are at, tell them to be forthcoming with you. Obviously, if emergency does arise um, and they have to kind of talk to you about what's going on, like what they're saying at the same time, you got to ask them what's taking place and what are they saying? Because uh, we all know drugs, alcohol, all is, um, comes from somewhere. And right now, more than ever, coming out of the pandemic and still dealing with the pandemic, it's the mental health portion of everything. So I know everything ties into mental health. And just the young kids are just as bad as we are with as adults with the mental health. And they're looking for avenues to release some uh, more than discussion. They're looking for avenues to help them take some pain away. They want to cope. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say, you know, aside from the phones too, if our, if my 16 year old's like, Hey, I'm going to go hang out with Susie and we're going to go, I don't know, we're going to drive around. We might go grab something to eat. You know, what, what do we need to be kind of making sure our kids are aware of? Cause I think, you know, there's also the piece of, you know, you have to be prepared that your kids are likely, especially as adolescents, especially when they have more freedom, they're going to encounter and be offered drugs and alcohol. It's, it's, it's not really so much if, as much as when. So what can we do to kind of explain to them, you know, there's a, it's a lot more nuanced and a lot more detailed than saying, we'll just say no. Like it's, yeah. we, we did that. We've rode that train. We know that doesn't work. So, you know, it's just, a lot, so a lot of, a lot of parents use the tracking devices like yeah, life 360 or they use the software that Apple gives it for the mapping of your phones. If the kids, if your phones and your, your phone, that your kids use are in your name, you can track them at any time. And then, uh, unfortunately it all comes down to trust. I mean, we got to work with our children and trust them, but at the same time, we got to explain to them it's for safety because you never know what's going to happen to them. If they are in a place that they shouldn't be and they're not telling you, and obviously you see it on the phone, we get concerned parents calling in all the time. Oh, Mike, my kid's at this location and he told me he was at this location and the police have to go check that location for their, their kid because 
obviously somebody's lying or somebody stole their phone or they were kidnapped or uh, human trafficking. Like there's so much going on right now and it's so scary like that our world's like this, but um, you got to, the kids, it all comes down to honesty, believe it or not. But I see a lot of family uh, parents who are monitoring their kids' phones more so than ever. Okay. And there's apps to do that. And I mean, maybe just having that conversation with your kid too and saying like, here's the deal. Mm -hmm. Here's what happens if you, if you're, if you make the choice, if you're out in the world and you make the choice to drink underage, here's why alcohol is not a great idea. But if here's the deal, if you end up getting caught by, or if you, you know, and the police are called. Tell them to call you beforehand. (laughs) Right. Yes. And I know we've. Don't call Uber. Don't call Uber. You know, I've never, t- I've never taken an Uber before. Young individuals will go out and do underage drinking or underage things that they shouldn't do, and they think they can get away with it by calling Uber. And then and what they happens? Get, they try to get dropped off a block or two before their house so their parents don't know, and here comes the friendly patrol officer on patrol, and we come upon Ubers all the time with young individuals in the backseat. Never thought of that. Never thought of that. Never would have crossed my mind. Whole different time. So look on their phones. Do they have the Uber app or uh, Lyft app and uh-huh. stuff like that? Well, why Ride shares. Yeah. Ride shares. Wow. Because That's I guess it takes it takes away the the drinking and driving. So positive, <laughs> not drinking and driving, still drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Underage drinking. Still drinking or still vaping or still yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I never thought about nope, that. Nope, never thought of that. That is really this interesting. Conversations just bringing up all sorts of things. Was not <laughs> expecting Brian. Notes, Chrissy. Get those <laughs> notes, Chrissy. I, well, I want to circle back to Brian. Something you said earlier about from from the kids' perspective, and in this next question, because we've been talking about what parents can do and what parents can say, and what devices, apps, parents can use. But from the kids' side, um, you know, we want kids to feel comfortable contacting the police. We want kids to feel comfortable calling nine one one. You know, those helping skills. And I think for this next question, I just want to think about like when should kids contact you because it's always a thing like is this serious enough for the police or is this can i handle this there's always that decision and then there's the decision of oh crap i call the police am i gonna get in trouble like no no is, no i got you is this gonna... so i kind of want to know that if i'm you know 12 13 14 15 years old it's kind of it's frightening to make that call but yet you know something's not right so what would you recommend for from the students from the kids side from any juvenile standpoint or any kid at any age, obviously the number one thing is going to be able to try to contact a parent or a guardian and let them know that they need help or here's what's going on. They feel uncomfortable. I guess we all got to let our kids know that when they feel uncomfortable, they need to act upon it because that gut feeling that you even, you'll get the rest of your life mm. for anything. When you know it's something wrong, you got to use yep. your gut feeling and call somebody. Yep. Um, the one thing that the um, Downingtown Area School District, the the – their program that they use, safe to say, obviously, safe to say, everybody thought was for mental health, but kids call in anonymously on uh, safe to say and say, hey, this is going on. Somebody might need help at this location, and they're helping save lives. The other thing is that in Chester County is text 911. You don't have to call 911 no more. You can text 911, and when you text 911, you communicate with a 911 dispatcher and you can do it privately. So if these young individuals are at somewhere, they feel uncomfortable. They don't want to be that person who calls 911 or tells on their friend, but it's so severe they could text 911. 
Never knew that. Nope. Text 911 is, is a big thing. And it, like six months ago, we really blasted it out to the communities. But it's something that the younger generation is better at, again, than we are mm-hmm. texting. They can te- they help solve crimes. They help solve cases by texting 911. Um, this is going on at this place and this time, such and such place and location. And the, you send police yeah. over for a well-being check. Mm. We're, we're not going over there, you know, rushing over there because of something life-threatening, but just because somebody felt uncomfortable about yeah. something. That is and awesome. Then, um, other than that, I tell students all the time, take advantage of the advocates in the school, the counselors, the student advocates of somebody they can go to, whoever they confide in, their teachers, and hopefully they're confiding in everybody that they feel comfortable with. And then safe every now and then, like safe, like I said, safe to say, we'll throw us a little, uh, yeah. little sidetracked us because it's not mental health, but something's going on that they need us to respond and check, and we go and check it. Yeah. Yep. Those are great resources. I did not know about text 911. And that is true. Yeah, like, either. even if you're thinking, I'm like flashing back to my high school times where I was in settings where concerned about, you know, people that maybe have been underage drinking and like truly were very sick and probably needed professional medical attention and no one knew yep. what to do. And it's that thing where, you know, mm-hmm. you need to ask, you need to help your friend and ask for help. And, if that was available, I bet more people would be more likely to use it because it yeah. is innocuous. Like you can kind of be like doot, 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 and send it real quick and yep. it'd be all anonymous the whole time. So that's a really great yeah. resource. Yeah. Um, and then, so when we were prepping about this, I do just want to touch upon this really quick. Cause you were also an EMT, right? Yes. And so we talked a, and I know you talked a bit about mental health, but can you just talk about what you're seeing, um, with calls in your role as working as an EMT in the community as far as mental health, like any trends or differences that you're seeing? Yeah, so uh, we all know that with the hospital shortages and uh, closures in Chester County, it was a little um, a little different for us in the EMS world as well as the police world because we're obviously transporting a little further away. And the um, I would just, we all, we, we all see it right now, the world's a uh, changing place. Mm-hmm. And at any age now, before we saw always say mental health was related to this or that, but uh, the stresses of life are starting even with our young kids right now. And uh, mental health is a big problem. And we tell all the young kids, again, take advantage of their advocates at school, their counselors, their parents. Some don't think they can confide in their parents. We tell them to reach out to other people that they confide in and let them know what they are thinking. And then the call volume is definitely up for mental health and um, not just with crimes, even medical calls, um, calls for help some way, even through crime, people are reaching out for help because it's more mental health related. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't say we can blame everything on anxiety, but young kids are experiencing a lot, like not being in school for two years and then all of a sudden they're back in school, sports, add the cyber bullying and the social media aspect to everything that their anxiety right now is probably worse than it's ever been. And uh, I think we all experience it some way, some shape or form, but uh, in the younger juveniles, we're starting to see it a little bit more. Yeah, no, I was going to just, yeah, I was just going to add on to that because I, I would think that's what we would expect to see in, you know, yeah. pandemic, post pandemic that, um, that there would be more calls and that they would have more that as, as Brian said, this mental health piece underlies so much 
you know, the drug and alcohol use, the choices, um, crime, um, you know, violence, whatever it might be. I mean, there's a really strong, this mental health piece is kind of like always underneath of, of all of these, of these issues. So we like to end every episode with take action tips. So it's kind of like, you know, things that are simple that parents can do as soon as they get done listening to this podcast. And it can be one thing that's for all parents of kids of all ages or parents of maybe for the younger elementary kids and adolescent teens. So after listen, I mean, my mind is just like blown, like listening to all the social media stuff, a little bit of the trends of drug and alcohol and seeing how kids are using. Um, but what would you say would be like the number one tip you can give to parents after they finish listening to this episode today to do with their kids? I would say the number one thing to do is sit down and communicate with your children. Um, have a conversation with them, a difficult conversation in regards to the drug and alcohol use, um, the changing times and honesty in regards to the stresses of life. As parents, we all know we're all stressed out. And at the same time, we understand they're stressed out. And obviously with everybody's got to be on the same page to make a, an effective outcome. And then the next best thing is get a hold of those telephones that it's hard to get a hold of from your children. And, look and see what apps that are on there because the apps that are on there, some of them shouldn't be on there and look and actually see what they are doing because that's, unfortunately that's the reality of life right now is that through a telephone, the kids are on them all day long and there's more information on there than you realize. And sometimes when you see it, it's, it's, it's hurting at the same time, but at the same time you want to be there for your children. So see what they're involved in. Mm. It's all connected. Because it's mm -hmm. the social media and then the mental health and then the coping with drug and alcohol, but then they use the phones to, it's, it's a it's lot. It's a cycle. It's mm -hmm. a lot. A lot. It really it's is. Life. Yeah. That's a good point. Really good point. Um, so, Brian, on top of the tips, we also like to give our listeners an opportunity to know where they can find you and also find resources. And if you were to, you know, making recommendations, of course, we will put this in our show notes as far as. Um, you know, email and a website, um, some of the social media things. But what would you recommend to our to our parents that are listening that they can get um, information and resources and connecting with Upper Euclid if they're in Upper Euclid Township? I would say they should just rely on their local police department. If it's not Upper Euclid, anything around us in the Downingtown Area School District, every police department in Chester County is proactive and well adverse into what's taking place out on the streets of their community at the same time online. So just reach out to them. It's never a shame to even stop by the police department with your kid and do a friendly visit and let them see the friendly faces in there making connections. Like I said, those uh, individuals in that group got to come to the police department. Now we go to them and we take turns and we just have c common conversations about what's taking place in all of our lives as a human mm -hmm. but at the same time they get to see our environment and they we get to see in their environment mm -hmm. so parents can stop by anytime call any local non-emergency number talk to an officer a lot of times people don't want the police cars at their house so it's easier for them to come to us or even meet us at a public location we'll meet you at the park and talk to you about stuff that's taking place mm -hmm. and uh, other than that you said it the best with social media outlets and websites and monitor all that stuff. And if they see anything in their community, take advantage of it. That's a really good point. Cause I think that one of the messages that uh, I reflect back on today is this idea of the need for communication, but also building relationships and yep. also getting comfortable with law enforcement as a partner 
and being Absolutely. helpful and not sort of always seeing law enforcement, um, you know, you know, perhaps in a scary way or a negative way or kind of like as a last resort. But all the work you're doing, Brian, in the community is really on the prevention end. You're on the front end. You're building the relationships, communicating. Um, you're in the schools. You're in the community. You're in places where people are on a positive side so that you're kind of minimizing the chance that perhaps you're going to see them on the other side, which would be the side which sometimes is quite tragic and also on the side of consequences. So I, I think that's really important today that you, um, you know, shared with us how you're working to be part of the prevention and the solution versus always perhaps being on the other side of it, like after it happens. Absolutely. Thanks. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for everyone for joining us today and listening in. I also want to mention that you can now follow me, Chrissy, on Instagram at CTC underscore Chrissy, C-H-R-I-S-S-I-E, um, and also on Facebook at CTC Chrissy, all together one word, um, to see more information related to our podcast, to our parent-to-parent blog, and any other resources and things that we have to share. Um, I'll also link those in the show notes as well. So be sure to click subscribe or follow so you get every episode as it comes out, every two weeks right in your feed to listen and thanks for joining us thanks brian for being here thank you for the invite i appreciate it look forward to some more yeah and uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks thanks sounds good have a good day